Welcome to See the World Differently. Come explore and discover the world around you. Hello again, and welcome to this month's edition of See the World Differently with Oceanscape Yachts. I'll be your host today, Rebecca Taylor, and today we have another fun episode uh, with another old industry friend of mine, um, and that's old in terms of how long we've known each other. No no need to call out ages on anyone here, um, but Simon Turner is probably one of the first people I met uh, when I joined the luxury yacht industry. He's such a familiar and friendly face at events, and yacht shows when you're new to the scene can be quite intimidating, so it was very nice to have um, just a friendly face in the crowd and someone that you could count on and who had time for you. So um, I'm really appreciative of Simon. I've um, roped him into a few things over the years. I've put him on camera in Singapore on uh, live interviews. I've called him up all around the globe for a uh, copy or a soundbite or something, and he's only ever too happy to help. So uh, thank you so much, Simon. Um, he has a number of years in the industry as a broker. He grew up sailing, so this is definitely uh, not new to him, and uh, with that comes a wealth of knowledge. So we're really happy that he could spend a little bit of time with us today. So Simon, I owe you one. Thank you once again for... Um, entertaining my requests and I think everyone's going to enjoy the show. Uh, we talk a little bit about different um, aspects of the industry all around the globe. Uh, Simon's had a lot of experience in parts of Asia so uh, you'll be with us on that journey today and as well uh, one of our favorite aspects which is tips on where to go and what to see in the world and those little unexplored corners of the globe that we get a lot of recommendations of. So I hope you take some into consideration, and if you don't already subscribe to the podcast, please go to uh, Google Play Store or iTunes or wherever you download your podcast from. Uh, just hit subscribe. It costs nothing, and you get first notifications of when we have a new one posted. It's right on your phone. Take it in the car. Take it on a run. Um, we don't care as long as you take us with you, so please subscribe. Write a review. We love hearing from you, um, and we're just so thankful that you're here with us enjoying the show, I hope. So... Without further ado, uh, here's Simon Turner. Thanks again. Hey, Simon. Uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Wonderful to uh, hear from you. Very happy to um, uh, offer my thoughts. Oh, yes. You've got you've got lots. Simon and I go way back. Uh, we've known each other for quite a while. Probably you're one of the first people I think I would have met in the industry. Um, you're always sort of a nice, easy person to speak to and see a friendly face at the events, uh, which can be kind of intimidating when you're coming in. But um, I'm sure all of our listeners are really interested to know uh, you're with Iconovista now. That's your own uh, baby that you started. So if you can just give us a little bit of background on, on your time and experience in the industry and let everyone know what brought you to where you are today. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, I uh, I was always a sailor myself, so I had quite a a few uh, yachts of my own in the in the United uh, Kingdom, and uh, then in the mid uh, early two thousands, I uh, moved to Singapore when, when I wasn't professionally in yachting, and uh, just seeing all the amazing cruising grounds and a developing market out there in Asia, uh, piqued my interest. So I, I joined uh, one of the local yacht brokerages um, and kind of learned the trade, if you like, uh, mixing the the hobby with the pleasure, and uh, yeah, that's how I started out. And did you, so you just went over of your own sort of will and desire and then just got, decided to stay around and got a job? No, not at all. I was actually working with a very large company in London and we, uh, oh, okay. we bought a business in Singapore. Not, nothing to do with yachting. Um, oh, right. We bought a business in Singapore and I went out to run that and I can't say I was enjoying it. And I was looking around at all these new marina developments and, uh, you know, amazing uh, 
uh, economy of Asia and things were happening in yachting. So I thought if I could mix the hobby and the pleasure, uh, there might be something in this. So, um, yeah, yeah so 15 years later and uh, I'm, I'm still in the business all the way back in Europe now. Yeah. And you left Singapore five years ago or was it more than that? You've been back for a bit now, right? I was, uh, yeah, about six, about six years ago. Yeah, okay. I was um, maybe seven years out there and traveled the whole region, including um, um, Hong Kong, living in Hong Kong for about a year as well. Okay. So, um it's a bit of yeah, a change, I mean, eh, from Singapore? We, yeah, yeah, just uh, business took me, you know, to, to that area, and you learn something different, and you're very close to uh, China, mainland China then as well, you know, which, of course, is very interesting, and, and more interesting than people think in terms of a cruising ground. That's not really properly open yet to uh, to charter customers, but uh, I cruised up the coast there, and uh, there's some absolutely beautiful places with, with you know, clean, lovely water, so... There's uh, there's more interesting things going on there, but perhaps it's going to be a long time before it really opens up. Okay, well it's good you got in when you did, right? That's the problem with some of these places. the The word gets out, and before you know it, it's all overrun. So, <laughs> go now. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know which China it'll ever be that busy uh, for a long time because the infrastructure is not there and the regulations not there. Mm. Uh, but the, but the cruising grounds are so as as with uh, other places in in North Asia including Japan, which is, you know, really largely unexplored from, from a water uh, point of view. Um, and regulation is makes things a bit tough, but it's it's stunning to go to and, and it will open up there, I think, more quickly. And that's also down to the clientele, isn't it? Like, I know we attended together a few times a Singapore Yacht Show and they were still talking, you know, how the clientele differs. And obviously the Chinese markets, you're getting more clients buying. But like you say, I guess they're not necessarily keeping their yachts in those regions or maybe because the cruising isn't really available or? Yeah, I mean, you have to be very careful with the terminology and to just properly separate out China from the rest of Asia mm-hmm. because China has so many limitations, uh, you know, on its people in terms of yacht ownership, which there are lots of difficulties with, uh, you know, and their cultural understanding of, of yachts. Um, and there are more Chinese having yachts uh, in the rest of Asia, not so much. It's smaller boats in China, you know, up to maybe 25 meters, but not, not the bigger yachts. Uh, but the rest of Asia, whether the, and that includes Hong Kong, Singaporeans, Thais, Indonesians, Filipinos, uh, you know, are very actively into yachts. Uh, and so there's a lot, a lot more going on in those countries. Mm-hmm. And we've even seen a huge influx in, you know, Four or five years ago, Indonesia was big in its own right then, but now it seems everyone wants that something else, something different, and they've kind of caught on to the fact that Indonesia has so much different cruising ground, and every time you go can be a totally different trip. So I think people are catching on to that. Yeah, Indonesia is amazing, and it's one of my favorite places. I used to spend a lot of time there. Uh, you've got more than 80,000 islands uh, just just for a kickoff. Yeah. Um, and amongst the 80,000 islands, there's about two marinas in the whole in the whole country, um, both of which one would have to say are not spectacular and certainly not really geared up to super yachts. Mm. Uh, but that's not really the point because a, a, a proper super yacht with the right uh, support can cruise, of course, very remotely and for extensive periods. And that's that's what's happening in in Indonesia now. I, I remember when I was there a couple of years ago, we we had a forty five meter fed ship which we were showing to to clients and people in Indonesia. But that same week, there are actually six fed ships cruising Indonesia at that time. Really. Um, so the numbers of big yachts going there is increasing 
massively. And it's all about having the right shore support. You need good shore support to handle the regulatory issues and suppliers, etc. You know, but the big yachts can, of course, cruise for weeks and weeks and weeks. And, and there are just incredible places uh, to go. And yeah, we're seeing more and more of that. Yeah. And I think it's it's definitely a top for, for us that we like to recommend to people. Because like you say, in some ways, maybe the support isn't quite there, but the yachts that are there are established and they, they know what they're doing. You're in good hands and, and hopefully they do have that shore support. Yeah, the shore support is there. Uh, it really is about marinas, but, but uh, you know, re- realistically, why do you want to be in a marina? Yeah. I'd always prefer to be at anchor anyway. And if you're in a, you know, a stunning remote bay, uh, you know, with a beautiful beach and it's all to yourself, uh, the last thing you want is to go into, you know, effectively a noisy marina. You want to go into mar- a marina every so often and perhaps in a big city, but uh, in places like Indonesia, you know, Galapagos Islands, uh, that you want to be out seeing the, you know, the natural beauty at its best. Yeah, definitely. Definitely agree with you there. And since you came back from uh, Singapore as well, you're mostly based in the Mediterranean. We get a lot of different guests on here and obviously we're based in in Canada and the US and the Caribbean has a huge cruising ground but for you in the Mediterranean you must see a lot of different trends that you would have seen as you've just kind of explored a little bit in in Singapore and maybe Hong Kong so the Mediterranean clients and and charter trips that are available there um, most people might know this but what do you think sticks out for the big differences between those? Well, I, I think it's probably less of a difference now than, than people realize, um, you know, because the Mediterranean has always been seen as the party place, you know, people nipping from Cannes to Saint-Tropez, going ashore, uh, partying restaurants, etc. And all of that is there. It's still completely magnificent and it's still completely packed out, you know, during the summer with people doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but also we have a lot of clients now doing some very different things and going further afield in Europe, of course, places like Croatia and Montenegro have fantastic facilities now. Uh, Croatia, again, lots and lots of islands, beautiful places to go where you can be away. The same in Turkey. Um, but even closer, right in the central med, uh, if, for example, you're on Corsica on the west coast, there's not a single marina, but incredible, beautiful fjords and inlets and bays and the scenery is just absolutely stunning and world-class. Um, and because of the, the weather and not being close to marina, you can still in the height of the season be, find yourself in a bay uh, alone on your yacht because you're on a bigger yacht. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's really fabulous like that. Yeah, and I think that's good too that you mentioned that because some people, especially who we might be talking to, are kind of really new to the whole yachting scene and, and don't really know how it works. All they see is the massive yachts, that the celebrities are on in like for Cannes Film Festival or, or Saint-Tropez and they don't realize like there's actually a lot of else you can do and there's smaller super yachts, you know, that you can go on and still explore. And it's not like you're going to these massively overpopulated tourist locations. And especially when you're on your own boat, you've got your own space. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, one of our clients, uh, he picks up the yacht every year in, in Saint-Tropez and has a couple of days there and round on the amazing beach in Ramatuel. But then they go off to the Porquerel Islands, which are only an hour and a half away. And there's hardly anybody there because it's a marine park. And, and both there and on the, on the, the mainland of uh, France there, there's some stunning, amazing beaches, which are kind of really out the way and don't attract, attract that kind of crowd. So, again, even in, in the high season, you can go to spectacular places which don't have to be so far away. 
um, and yet still be one or two hours from from somewhere like Saint Tropez. Yeah, and same with um, Spain, right? A lot of people think the Balearics, oh, Ibiza, like I'm not into the nightlife and this and that. But if a, if you don't go in the massive party season, you're still seeing all the beautiful surrounds. But then you have all the other little islands that people don't quite realize that are hidden in there that can offer that pristine beach, like you're saying, away from the crowds. And you don't want to paint everyone with the same brush, right? Absolutely. Uh, and, and on that point, I'll, I'll give a freebie to, to your clients of an insight. Uh, the north coast of Spain is really quite amazing and lots of places to go which are very off the beaten track and very different. And they're all reachable from Barcelona. And the amazing thing is the marinas in Barcelona in the winter are completely full. And in the summer, they're near empty because all the boats are in the Balearics. And the great benefit of that is you can be in a world-class city like Barcelona with fantastic marinas and the prices are really, really low. You know, so charter guests are going to be paying that on their APA and you're going to find an amazing place to go without being in the middle of the Ibiza party scene. Uh, with a world-class city and actually it's going to be a lot cheaper than anywhere else so uh, watch out for that this summer yeah that's a very good tip thank you for that and uh, speaking of uh, your knowledgeable ways and all your experience with the getting the new clients in that's something I think I've been in the industry 10 years now and I think it was probably the first thing I was told and we're still talking about it Um, but do you see how we are slightly changing to be more open to the people who you know can afford say a 100 foot to 130 foot trip but maybe they're not being well looked after by the the big firms who are targeting you know the much bigger yachts and things like that are we doing enough to educate that clientele to show them that this is possible i don't think we are doing enough um and and yes it's changing but but slowly and and there are new players um you know, coming into the market. I think there's a couple of issues, you know, one is, is the boats themselves and the traditional way of doing things. And there are things changing there because there are a lot of people who don't want to go to sea because they're sat in the open, the field are going to be sat in the open sun, the boat's going to be rocking and the field seasick. And a lot of the yachts now are really changing the space, the way they use that space. Um, and, and obviously stability issues. So uh, you can actually be, you know, inside the yacht and, and think you're inside a hotel without realizing at that time you're on a boat. So a lot of those worries, I think, are being allayed. Um, and also there can be a perception of some of these yachts, you know, guzzling a lot of fuel and not being environmentally friendly. And we're now seeing a lot of progress in what we loosely term green yachting with eco-friendly yachts, um, hybrid yachts. Um, I was on recently on a 165-foot Italian-built beautiful yacht which is capable of running for several hours purely on battery power, which means it can go into the marine parks uh, that other yachts uh, can't go into. And it means you're silent, you know, you're silent running and you're not polluting. And I think that appeals to um, a a whole new audience as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, On the other side, one of the issues is I think the way that traditionally people book a charter contract and there's there's a standard document that has to be copied about 15 times and sent around the world to lots of different people to sign. <laughs> yeah. And it's very stiff and overly bureaucratic. Um, and I think maybe the old charter market is still protecting that. And that's got to change. There's some very good things in it. Uh, but people are used to things online now and digital signatures and, uh, you know, making it very, very simple and simple communications uh, and the information that they're receiving before the charter and during the charter, 
Uh, that, I think, uh, technology-wise, the, the yacht charter industry is a long way behind, um, you know, in terms of you look at booking hotels, et cetera, now, uh, and, and the facilities that you can you can see. So, yeah, the, the, the yacht industry has got a lot to do on that side. Yeah, and I think that's, it's like you say, people don't understand that they can't, you know, with everything now, with Airbnb, you can just, I can instant book and get confirmation. And I realize it's not the same level, but then you've got things like, you know, the bigger um, private stays that would fit into a similar budget. And it's still utilizing that technology and things that I think, if it's not broke, don't fix it is kind of the way that this yachting industry has done things. And and we're also working to try to make that a more seamless process, but you're right. It kind of has to start, it's a chicken or the egg, but it's got to start with the boats, how they do it, how they book it. And then the brokers. And then you're right. It goes through a lot of different people to get like, around the world. Like you say, to get everything confirmed. So it's coming. It's just, it's moving a bit slow. <gasps> Yeah, and, you know, um, clients need to be looked after, and that means transparency right from the start. And I think we, we, I see a couple of types of charter guests, you know, one that's been doing it many years. They know the whole thing inside out, what's going to happen. There's no surprises to them, uh, and they're happy with that. But it actually takes experience to get there, which they shouldn't have to, to do so. And I see that some charter guests go and have a wonderful time on a yacht, but are left a little bit sometimes sour with the way that the the billing's been done and some surprise costs and so on that they didn't expect. Mm-hmm. And that's just all about tra- transparency from your charter broker or your charter website company up front. And there's just no need for that whatsoever because, you know, once a guest is aware of what's going to happen, then there's there's no issues at all. And I think the industry loses some people because they're they're not doing that. You know, it's all about getting the client in the first place yeah. and then not looking after them fully all the way through the experience. Yeah, because usually the experience will speak for itself, right? Someone, I don't, I could be wrong and you've obviously experienced a lot more from that client side of things, but most people when they finally do take a yacht vacation, they kind of realize like, oh, why did it take me so long? Or I could do all this and, and move around and have my own private hotel and nobody's with me and the service is amazing and it should be impeccable and of a certain standard. So Really, if people aren't staying within it, it probably does come down to the the red tape and and how we handle the, those clients throughout the process. If you think, yeah, I agree with. I think most people are delighted by the onboard experience, um, and and it probably surpasses. And I think once charter guests get on with the crew, the crew really go over the top to make sure people have a wonderful time. And I think that is the great majority of the time. The, the only time I see that the other way, and again, this is a responsibility of the charter broker, is on slightly smaller yachts and perhaps sailing yachts, I've seen guests get on and they're expecting a level of service, which is from the Ritz, mm-hmm. that has you know the Ritz Carbon Hotel with 200 people working there, whereas they're on a yacht with five crew, you know, with a captain who's got to drive the boat, you know, do the paperwork, look after their experience. And so, so again, that just requires a little bit of education from your broker in advance to make sure you you know what you're you're getting into. But um, I, you know, that's all pretty rare. I think the experience amongst most people is is, is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And you uh, you've touched on it a little bit, but you have plenty of experience traveling all around the world. So, do you have any other tips that our listeners might? And it can be by yacht or by land or a combination of both. But is there a favorite? corner of the globe you're willing to share so just in case it gets overrun with people flocking there 
Yeah, I mean, look, you've got all your usual hotspots, um, and and they continue, I think, to offer fantastic experience. From a personal perspective, I do like to be in more remote places uh, to to really sort of be among the the nature. I mean, you've always got to remember on aboard your yacht, you've got the most wonderful bar and a chef so and the disco like so you can still have a party but you can be in some pretty amazing areas so mm. you know one of my most amazing experiences was in southern uh, chile we, we actually took a trip across the whole of chile so starting in santiago we always also went up into the north into the atacama desert which is the, the driest place on earth but the, the the yachting part was in in the south which is just full of um, there's no roads there it's just full of islands and fjords and mountains wow. and it's really spectacular. And we cruised to the South and then anchored uh, a few hundred meters away from one of the world's largest um, uh, glaciers, which was just amazing. And, you know, you, you, you turn all the engines off and you can just hear this thing creaking away and watching huge slithers fall into the water, which is not necessarily a good thing, of course, because that might be because of uh, uh, global right. warming, <laughs> uh, though, though it's, it's you know it's also entirely natural yeah and then going ashore from there and climbing up to a place called Torres del Paine which are these incredible mountains uh which you can hike up to and it's just a total and utter different experience to anywhere that you're going to go you know there's there's no no burger chains or shopping centers you know it's very very wild yeah um, that must have been like life-changing though yeah, I think I think it is, including the bit when we were we were driving along the uh, um, what's called the Altiplano route, which is the the border between Chile and, and uh, Peru, and we actually got shot at okay. by a guy. We <laughs> That's a little too authentic. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah, he was he was perhaps trying to shoot some llamas, and we were really you know on a, an area with no roads, driving through the backcountry at, at about three and a half thousand meters. Okay. And he saw us appearing in our Toyota Hilux and started taking pot shots at us. So we quickly turned around. Uh, but that, you know, it was part of the incredible experience of yeah. being up there. Live to tell um, the tale. <laughs> yeah, he lived to tell the tale. And uh, there's amazing things to be done. And what I like to do is always to mix the experience of spending time on land and on the water. Mm-hmm. And, and being accessible from both. You know, you don't want to just sit on a yacht. Some people do just want to sit on the yacht, enjoy the sunshine. Uh, but it, you know, you also want to be able to get ashore and have some fantastic, you know, tenders uh, to be able to do that and, and experience the, you know, the nature and the wildlife around you. Yeah, and that's kind of how you live life now, right? You've got your boat down on the south coast, and you try to split your time there when the weather allows it, right? Yeah, I guess it's a little bit cheeky, and the way we're set up, um, you know, I, I don't have an army of, of people to to manage. The people we have are very much sort of look after themselves so and with modern technology i can be on my little sailing yacht uh, with the laptop and a 4g connection working away and uh, i have been known to have the boat sort of heeled over with the you know the, the side of the boat virtually under the water and take a phone call from a lawyer about a yacht transaction <laughs> uh, and actually you know do the whole call for half an hour while, yeah. while one hand's on the tiller fighting the boat so uh no, I, I, you know, I love all of that. And whenever we travel around the world, we try to get out on the water into some different places and different experiences. And um, that absolutely includes being in, in Saint-Tropez and, and having some fun sometimes. Yeah, all part of it, right? And if you're literally swamped on a call, then, I mean, business is still being done just the way the world works, right? And that's something that I think has actually changed the clientele as well, which you, you might agree with is, you know, even 10 years ago, if you have a big company that you can't leave in the lurch for a week or two week holiday, whatever, and be totally remote. And now there's Wi-Fi 
virtually in most places you're going to go on a yacht vacation. And if not, then it's by choice that you want to just turn off for that time. But we're so connected now that it's really hard to be disconnected. And that's not always a good thing. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yes and no. It's all about the individual. And, you know, a lot of our clients, are, you know, I guess your clients, our clients in this industry are very successful business people. And they don't really separate their you know, they don't look, oh, I'm dying to go on holiday, you know, waiting to go on a break. You know, they, they work every single day of their lives, mm-hmm. uh, but they mix the pleasure and the social time and their activities with, with doing that. And, you know, some people do have complete downtime. And I guess when people get that little bit older, that happens more. But I'd say that nearly all of my clients work every day, even when they're on holiday. It may only be for half an hour early in the morning to catch up on you know, some project they're looking after. But that's, you're absolutely right. That's the point. Now with the technology, it's so easy to be on board and keep working. Um, if we can do that on, on my little sailing boat, then of course you can do that on a, on a fantastic super yacht of 25 or 50 meters. So uh, um, I think it's better rather than worse. And of course you can always just turn the phone off, which, which I do myself as well. Yes, true. Yeah, I've heard of people who just say like, oh yeah, I definitely don't have connection when I'm there. If they feel they need that break and if not, the opportunity's there. So it, to, to each their own, right? Just like you say, you like a mix of water and land. Some people would just want to lay out and sunbathe all day and that's it's your prerogative. It's your trip and you can design it however you want. That's the beauty of it. Absolutely. And, and not be out of touch, you know, whether it's sports or your work or whatever, uh, you know, you can stay in touch and do, do what you need to do every day because people are online now in so many different ways with social media and all sorts of other things. So, uh, yeah, the, the yacht doesn't stop that. Uh, uh, it's a facilitator to it, but it's up to you just the same as when you're on land as to how you live your life. Yeah, very true. And speaking of uh, being online and connected, if, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, your website, if you want to plug that here, that would be great. Yeah, thank you. It's um, uh, The website is simply iconavista.com. And if you say it with an Italian accent, it's easier to pronounce and spell. If you say Icona Vista, okay. uh, so it's two words, I, I, Icono, which is, is kind of a, a derivation of iconic, and Vista, everybody knows. So Icona Vista means iconic views, iconavista.com. Okay, great. And it's so easy to remember now with a funny Italian accent. So thank you for that. A great well, way to plug it. <laughs> I love it when I meet Italians because they get it straight away. Yeah, yeah, true. I meet some English, some English person, and they they they're going. I can't know. I can't. Well, no, no, they just can't yeah. get it. And now you're doubling <laughs> down because we're speaking to a lot of North Americans, so they're trying to listen to your British accent do an Italian accent. So that's okay. I can also spell it out in the uh, in the wrap up later. So don't worry. Um, Simon, thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate you stopping to chat. I always love catching up with you. And you, Rebecca, it's fantastic to hear from you and glad you're uh, fighting the good fight and helping clients and uh, getting more people out on the water. I wish you the best of success with continuing to do that. Thanks for tuning in to See the World Differently. Until next time, keep daydreaming.